0: Voyager, your... season four. We have encountered the Borg, Elizabeth, Lindsay, and Will. Continue the theological discourse with the elder quadrant. Resistance is futile. Irrelevant. Your appeal
1: to my humanity is pointless. I can't be sure, but I think there's more going on here than just a simple hello. Well,
0: oh, I think it's time we get back to our bridge. No argument there.
2: Voyager, season four. Greetings, friends, and welcome to Voyager, uh, a Voyager, a theological journey, um, our, our opportunity to explore the intersection of faith and science fiction in the Star Trek universe. And today's episode of season four, uh, episode 17, is Retrospect.
1: And in this particular episode, we find Jane Way conducting trade negotiations with Coven for an isokinetic cannon. And Seven of Nine begins to experience panic attacks that appear to stem from blocked memories of Coven recently violating her. Coven vehemently denies this, and as his culture depends on trade with aliens, an investigation, even were it to prove him innocent, could permanently stigmatize him within his society. Unfortunately, evidence remains inconclusive. Coven flees, but whether it's to hide something or to protect something remains unclear and the validity of Seven's emotional memory comes into question.
0: Oh, boy. This this was an episode. I got to the end and I was just going round and round in circles with this one. Uh, I mean, on the one hand, I enjoyed the fact that this was thought-provoking and I, that I knew that I would get to talk it out with you guys. But on the other hand, I kept feeling it just missed the mark by a little bit. And I found myself wondering, did I feel the same way when I originally watched this, you know, some 30 years ago or whatever it was, Um, or am I coming to it with different eyes at this point in time and thinking about some of these issues differently than I might have back then? Because I just felt like it was an episode designed To hang an ethical issue on a sort of a knife edge balance, but that with, uh, you know, uh, 30 years uh, later, that balance wasn't quite right. And I kept feeling inside as I watched this. So, yeah, how did you guys find it?
2: I found it to be a very evocative episode, so I guess in that perspective, it does meet the meet the mark. I mean, it it made me feel as as same as you, very very um, un, uneasy. Um, it, it it was it was like watching a car crash, and I couldn't look away. Um, I also felt that um, uh, with the ending, the way that it did, um. um Coven was in the wrong business being a weapons dealer. Um, he seemed to be overloading weapons a lot um, and and perhaps he probably should have chosen a different career.
1: Yes well um, <laughs> maybe. I found too that it, it was very disturbing and I found myself wondering if it was made around a time where there was a lot of publicity about uh, repressed memories and um, their validity particularly in regards to child sexual abuse because at one point, in, I remember there was a lot of issues around that and people going to courts with um, memories they said they'd recovered. And I thought maybe Star Trek was tuning into that um, at this time when it was topical.
0: Yeah, I think they definitely were. I mean, that was part of the satanic panic uh, sort of era, wasn't it? You know, there was all these things about, you know, children who'd been part of satanic rituals and repressed the memories, but now the brave Christian, you know, psychoanalysts were bringing it to the fore and all this sort of stuff, and it was all shown to be pretty rubbish. I, I think for me the issue is that they certainly were drawing on that, but they were also, I think, quite clearly playing into this sort of, um, uh, how, do you, uh, how do you connect with survivors of sexual assault? And, and do you believe that the person who uh, is saying something happened to them or where does the presumption of innocence come in? And I I think, I think they were trying to thread both those two needles and I'm not sure now with hindsight that we necessarily look at those two issues in quite the same way
2: no it it also though that they they put some distance between um sexuality um and the assault but kept the 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 experience of violation um and and i thought that was a really clever thing for them to do um because it meant that there was the opportunity or as we're finding now to actually talk about the 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 um the process um of of trying to work out who to believe and how to believe and 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 where things go, um and and gave it some distance from the very um, uh, um uh, I guess sensational, invoc- evocative. There are feelings that just kind of rise every time we, we think about um, a, a violation of a sexual nature. So so it gave us that space to talk about um those those systems without actually having us be pulled directly into um, a lot of the feelings around that.
1: Yeah, I think that's right, Will. I think they locked a fine line there and they did it very well um, in terms of looking at it. And I found myself feeling really sorry for Seven because if you have a memory like that flash up, especially as the doctor really encouraged her to, you know, search and frame things and put things together. I mean, of course she thinks it's real. It's not that Salmon was being malicious or deliberately inventing something, but, you know, the consequences of this um, trying to recover something and then not being sure about it and then having the consequences that we see in this particular episode, I thought were pretty stark, really.
0: Yeah, look, I, I'm i going to have to disagree a bit, um, uh, particularly with the comment that they did it well, because I think you put your finger on a couple of the things that actually disturbed me. And one of them was the way in which they attempted to make that difference between a biological sexual thing by making it about uh, Seven's um, Borg implants. Um, and and, and for me, and maybe it's because I love Seven of Nine so much and I, I have thought very much uh, about the whole issue of what it means to be a person and, and how artificial persons are part of that and, and cyborgs and all that sort of stuff. So for me, I thought to myself, the fact that they're taking um, things out of her uh, injection, you know, whatever those little things are. Tubules. Uh, Tubules, yeah. Uh, Clearly that's meant to make it more mechanical and less um, viscerally biological. But I thought, this is seven. These, um, you know, uh, Borg implants are part of her body. And if what we were seeing was uh, a a human woman who was being made unconscious and then having over- um, taken out of her body, we would absolutely have that visceral feeling of total violation. And and I think it's wrong that we don't have that on behalf of Seven just because there's some mechanical stuff that, that's part of that.
2: I certainly wasn't saying it wasn't there. And and as you say, um, those um, tubules are part of her Borg reproductive system. Um, that is how the Borg reproduce, how they replicate, um, how they move into into new new spaces. So um, I, I, I certainly, um, I, I think that was quite, well, I thought that was quite inventive in actually using it. And, and I, I wasn't saying it wasn't there. I was saying that they, they'd moved it one kind of space adjacent, which is what good science fiction does. The thing that disturbed me in relation to Seven is around the assault and the captain's response to it was there seemed to be far more emphasis on the danger of stray nanoprobes than the harm to seven Um, so while they were doing their inquiry it was kind of like you know the reason why this is bad is because something dangerous has now been unleashed into the into the world and we don't have control of it rather than saying the reason why this is bad is because they violated seven Um, and and i I thought that was a fascinating um thing that, that that kind of came out for me and often systems will actually look at the greater harm and the protection of society or the protection of of individuals powerful individuals in society over actually moving to look at the harm to an individual uh in a situation like this i
1: think that's right will i'd agree with that and um i wasn't saying the violation was um less Lindsay. just that it was um it retook it as i, I agree with will it took a step to the side and remove the possible emotional thing you'd get if it was some sort of rape or physical assault um, that we identify with as, as much more, um, in some ways, violent or intrusive. Um, and I thought that was quite well done. But um, it's inter- I thought Janeway's response in a number of places was interesting in this episode and probably not what I would see her normally doing as I understand her character. Um, And I mean, for the first time, we're actually seeing ongoing consequences with a crew member for something they've done that's way out of line. Um, And we haven't seen that before with Chakotay. We haven't seen it with Tuvok or even with B'Elanna. But we're certainly seeing it here with Seven. You know, she is wearing the consequences of her actions in a way that I think is a bit novel up, um, up until this point which I also found interesting um, how the crew and Janeway were interacting with her um, for um, what was seen as her misbehaviour or betrayal or whatever you want to call it.
2: Yeah, I thought it was interesting. Balana actually got promoted after breaking Carrie's nose. <laughs> um, but uh, s- s- Seven, seven got, got berated, so I thought that was interesting. Um, so. Balana
1: stuck up for Seven in a way, which I also was a bit surprised at, but I thought that's good. Obviously, their relationship's developing a bit if Falana feels that she can speak out and say, you know, well, I didn't see that or I didn't hear that. Yep.
0: I, I agree that um, uh, one of the things that, that I, I didn't enjoy in this episode is that the captain seemed to be characterised in uneven ways. And and yeah. I think your your comment, Will, about how she was more in, uh, worried about the, the Borg nanoprobes getting loose um, is a really perceptive one but it's also really interesting then as Ooh, the you're verbally breaking episode up now, progresses um, because the idea is that actually they're saying oh well these nanoprobes you know could get out and get activated just by an accident um you know so that makes them a lot more dangerous than than you know it, it seems like initially, uh, the the captain is indicating you've stolen something which is really dangerous and it's much safer locked up inside of seven sort of thing, as opposed to oh well no we've got these dangerous nanoprobes that you know any old accident could be spreading them gaily around the universe you know uh, so so I did think that was interesting I I was pleased that there was one point um where initially, Janeway but even more so Tuvok seemed to be. Taking a sort of a hermeneutic of suspicion around mm. Seven's story, um, but but at least I, I felt good when the, the the trader was saying to Janeway, "Would you put our whole trade at risk just because of the story of one of your crew members?" And Janeway says, "Yes," and I thought, "Yes, I, that's the Janeway that I want, and that without I without
2: hesitation, believe.
0: yeah, yeah, yes." Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so I thought that was important, and she reinforced that at the end when she said, "You know." We want her to feel that she is part of the crew that she, when she's talking to the doctor, that, you know, it it, it is that we are there for her and she's part of the family. So, yes, that is the Janeway, which I have come to know and love, not the one worried about, you know, random feral nanoprobe.
2: (laughs) Well, before we get on to assessing the doctor's conduct as a a psychologist, um, I just wanted (laughs) to quickly do a side note and actually say, well, what's going on with Chakotay? I mean, Chokote's line, the fact that he is running, says that he has something to hide. I am kind of going, "Wow, Chicote, that's not you at all. What who put which writer decided to put that line in his mouth?"
1: I don't know. I guess it depends on how what emphasis you give that particular line. It's like um when you're looking at Hamlet, how uh, certain lines are emphasized are, are meant to implicate the queen or or not implicate her. You know, if Chakotay's saying, is there a question there? Is he running because he's got something to hide or is it a definitive statement?
2: It just didn't seem consistent to me with this eternal optimist, the believer in the good in everybody that we've actually come to know and love in Chakotay. Um, I, just, I just felt that he, he jumped to the same negative conclusion that everybody else did and I would have thought of all the people on board that his voice um, and, and the completely, almost completely absent Tom Paris who just stands there for a little while holding a, a rifle. Um, I, I would have liked to have seen their advocacy, um, their conversation in this. Yeah.
0: I do think that um part of part of that um leaping to that conclusion though is about the um the Federation's uh sense of itself. So I mean, I think the only reason you can imagine that he would run is because he doesn't feel that he's going to get or is getting a fair trial. And And I think given little hints about the society he comes from, you might think that that's true. Now, I I think we don't actually see enough to be conclusive about that. But he certainly seems to indicate that that that's a factor in their society. Um, Voyager has the supreme confidence of the Federation that they will be impartial and they will do a good job of investigating something. And so I think Chakotay's comment, he, he must be running because he has something to hide, is actually predicated on the idea of, well, of course, if, if he was innocent, he would be found innocent by you know Federation investigation. So the only possible motive is that he's hiding something.
1: Well, that's possible, but I, I think I'm more agreeing with Will here that Chicote is usually a little bit more circumspect before he makes these absolute pronouncements. So, um, and with the doctor in that investigation, I mean, if I was COVID, I'd probably leg it too because the doctor with, oh, I found this and I found that and this is pointing right at you, sunshine, uh, I thought that was pretty um, <laughs> telling. And um, I think poor old Coburn at that point, as unpleasant a character as he may be, felt he had no options except to do
2: a bolt. I have to say, I think that that idea that the federation is is good at impartial delegation is complete rubbish. Um, it, it, you know, I know it's a myth they propagate and they speak about, but you know, I've got several movies and several series of of, of episodes that actually show that it's a nepotistic humans only club. Yes. Like there, there is that really strong sense that. That they they like to say that about themselves, just like some of our Western powers do. But when it comes down to it, um, there 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 is there is a lot of partiality in the way that they conduct themselves.
1: Yeah, I agree absolutely. Uh,
0: uh, now I, I want to get to the real nub of this because I, I think I think for me uh, when you read out Statman Jeff's um, uh, summary, Elizabeth, it it, it really. Put the finger on it for me, that one of the things that I really had difficulty was, was when they discovered that the nanoprobes that, you know, came off uh, seven in a, an accident could spontaneously regenerate or whatever, the immediate response of all the crews seemed to be, oh, well, then Colvin's story is true. And that's not what that shows at all. No. It simply shows that it's inconclusive. Uh, as Statman Jeff says, the evidence is inconclusive, and I really felt it was almost like they flicked a switch, and everyone was saying, "Oh, Colvin must be innocent. We've done this terrible thing," and 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 I kept saying, "No, you haven't. You know, like actually, you need to keep investigating because all you've done is uncover that one line of evidence is inconclusive. So you need to keep looking to actually find out the truth." And I, I really struggled with the way that it was almost from that point like they discounted the possibility that Seven's story was true um and 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 that you know somehow they'd all been conned by that um now and I uh the doctor like when we get to that because you know that just muddies (laughs) the water so much uh that, that he's being such a terrible terrible psychotherapist but you know yeah, counselor. But Seven's yeah. Seven's story could still have been absolutely true and she had been terribly violated. Um and and they seem not to recognize that past that, that point in the episode.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Look, there's no question before we move on to the doctor, I guess Coven's behavior is 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 erratic, it's aggressive, he he doesn't handle himself well. And I guess there's a bit to be learned from this episode about how not to behave when you're accused of something. Um, but I also wanted to say that in the midst of that accusation, staying with Coven for a moment, is that at no point was he offered a support person. At no point was he, he the, in, the, the I'm going to say, interrogation began before his people arrived. Um, so in many ways, this federation process um, mm-hmm. doesn't even follow the standards that we follow in human terms today. Um you know, the, you're you're really not supposed to talk to a suspect. He was never read his rights. He was never like there were a whole range of ways in which he was actually left in a very vulnerable, very isolated position. And he's clearly a very unstable individual who actually tends to fight or flight as as his response to to to, to any form of danger.
1: Yeah, I think that's absolutely bang on the money, Will. And I, and that was done really well, I think, by the actor that played um, Coven but I agree with Lindsay. I was waiting for something else um, that sort of, it was like a, a switch was flicked when they discovered that nanoprobes could regenerate from um, the accident that um, Coven said happened. Because um, I did not think that absolutely ruled out Seven's story at all. And I was waiting for better investigation or something else to happen. And all we had was um, COVID doing a bolt
2: and here's where the doctor stuff comes in. I think this is the segue. We can we can we can unleash on the doctor now because <laughs> I mean the majority the majority of the reason why why I felt and I confess that at 27 minutes in I had preconceived ideas and I I had already um, decided that Coven was guilty and I was already right there with seven going this has got to be sorted, um, and um, I, I it, it was all based on the doctor's construction of the events given to to um to seven um and so when the doctor's doubts came in after the the nanoprobes the the major piece of evidence was gone um the doctor was no longer confident um and so his confidence became a switch that i think that's the switch for the crew um the doctor was was so far out of line in so many ways by actually assisting Seven to construct uh, a reality of memories that he had no experience of.
1: Oh, he was totally out of line um, and he, he led the witness, as the saying goes, down mm. a very deliberate path that he just assumed had to be true. Whether or not she would have arrived at those conclusions if left to herself, it's hard to say because he certainly egged her on to reconstruct something that led to um, the story of violation. I found it quite compelling, the way she was telling it. The fact she reacts to Coben and doesn't know why, even he's, I mean, he's being a shit, but was that enough to punch him in the nose? I don't know. Um, But the fact that she gets this emotional response to him suggests something has transpired. And without that, we may not have believed the story that... um, the doctor helped her to construct, but I thought he was really behaving quite unethical with the way he um, led her by the nose down that pathway.
0: Look, I, I mean, absolutely agree. I think he, you know, the doctor, the doctor really stuffed up badly, and. Um, uh, You know, at the end where he's talking to Seven about remorse, and and he says, you know, that's what you feel when you've done something wrong. Again, I shouted out, no, you know, like, yes, the doctor should be feeling remorse, but don't put that on Seven. I don't think Seven's done anything wrong that she needs to feel remorseful for um you know it's a, so even at the end you know he's he's stuffing up i i guess the thing where i would part company a little with you elizabeth is that i didn't find the reconstruction itself to be um too leading like it didn't seem to me that he was suggesting did he attack you did you he, he really was just saying things like, what do you see? What happened next sort of stuff. Uh, for me, where he really badly crossed the line was was the way that he was stirring up Seven's emotions, you know, and, and yeah. encouraging anger and not just anger but vengeance, you know. You, you'll feel better when he gets what he deserves, you know. Like uh, that for me was where he just was totally over the line.
2: Well, he certainly got what he deserved in the end, didn't he? I mean, I, I, I'm reading Statman Jeff's uh, thing here again and, and it actually says that, uh, you know, he might be permanently stigmatised within his society. Um, I mean, it's a good thing that that didn't happen and he, he wasn't permanently stigmatised. He was just left permanently dead. So. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes, poor old. i felt sorry for Coven at the end because I think, of, I think that you're right, Will, about he's got two responses, fight and fight, and, you know, His flight response and his fear just led to a very unpleasant conclusion. Um, I do think the doctor had leading questions, Lindsay. You know, I I feel that the doctor already had decided in his head what he was probably going to help Seven uncover. And I do feel those questions, if not completely um, overt, covertly were leading somewhere that you know, was going to allow her to make that reconstruction, whether it was right or not. But I also agree that we still don't know if it actually happened. It could have. And Seven had nothing to feel remorse about.
2: And I guess all of that's the, the problem with repressed memories is is that that what she remembers did actually happen. Um, what we don't know is whether or not it happened from Coven, or whether it happened from someone else, or or on the Borg ship, or where. But but I, I think there is enough evidence to to prove that the trauma that that um, Seven experienced did actually occur. Um, and and there was no like I, I guess the doctor attempted to do that in a little bit, but didn't stay with that. The I that I would have liked to have had, have him stay to say we're validating the trauma. Um, and and we, we, I mean, treating the trauma is actually not about gaining a conviction. Um, there was so much emphasis from the doctor about convicting Coven um, and, and not enough evidence. And, and I'm just wondering, in, in what universe does the treating therapist become part of the criminal investigation? I, I, I just yeah. think that that's, that's a boundary crossing of massive proportions. You've never
1: watched uh, what was it called? Prime suspect then that show on ABC about um, the pathologist that's always, well, it was a her, I think it's a him now, always sticking their nose into uh, what they shouldn't do in terms of solving crimes.
2: It just um, compromises objectivity and it's a major boundary crossing. It's it's a big no-no. I I don't think it would be allowed to happen.
1: It shouldn't be allowed to happen. I stopped watching that particular Mm -hmm. show. I used to like it because it got so ridiculous about a pathologist doing all this stuff. And it crossed so many boundaries. I thought this is really giving a bad impression of what their job a is. A bad impression. So.
2: so we're hammering the crew today. Um, let's let's not just stop with the ones we've gone. What's happened to our great investigator Tuvok? I mean, he doesn't question the the alleged other participants in the the process. Like, so it's very clear from Seven and from Coven that there were others present. Um, no attempt to find um, a a Borg who'd been. I mean you're not going to be able to hide a Borg who's who's been um, created through this process very easily. Um you know if there's a cons- this is not just a violation of one person against another that's being alleged here now but it's a conspiracy to violate. Yeah. Um there was sort of where, where was our crack investigator Tuvok he he's having a bad day too he's just dropped the ball.
1: Yes he dropped it after he um got there and they decided to take the nanoprobes back and see if um, the accident could have created it. You're right. I was waiting for witnesses or to see if there was a, a bulge, stashed in a cupboard somewhere, you know, and, and none of that happened.
0: And and I mean that, like the the cursory examination of the instruments, you know, like where they, oh, this could be used for this, and and he goes, oh yeah, but you could also use it for this, and it's like, okay, so you know, why don't you take them back to Voyager? In fact, I think they even say that, um, yeah, and and then yeah. they never actually seem yeah. to do it, you know. To uh, yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, the magistrate says, I've seen enough. Uh,
1: <laughs> well, when the doctor says there's live nanoprobes, that seems to bring everything to a conclusion. And at that point, all investigation stops and they've just decided that he's guilty and he decides that they're going to do something awful and he's out of there, which is completely understandable.
2: But I've seen Tuvok push on before, past that point. I've seen him actually be, 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 be absolutely um uh, completely... Um, stubborn in his pursuit of information, and there was just none of that here today. He was just lethargic and lacklustre
0: in, in his approach.
1: Yeah, he was.
0: Uh, my my other um, thing is that, you know, the the captain at the end, you know, seems to say that they all bear responsibility for Coven's death, and again, I, I'm, I'm not sure that I agree with that. Like, I don't think that the doctor or Chakotay even were that out of line like i mean i i think the doctor tried you know pretty hard to ensure that there would be a proper investigation as we've said her investigator let her down but but she she wasn't you know uh, i think acting inappropriately she definitely doesn't want to fire on 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 his ship uh even when you know he's firing on them and causing damage um, you know, so again, I, I wasn't entirely convinced by this characterization at the end that oh, they've all done the wrong thing. And and again, it seems to me to be an example of this, they've thrown the switch and want you now to believe that Coven is innocent, so they're all feeling bad, whereas actually we don't know that he's innocent. And and personally I'm still of the opinion that he's not, because I think coming back to something you said a lot earlier, Elizabeth. Something happened that triggered something for for seven. Not just in terms of her her response to COVID, but even her response to the doctor. Um, you know, trying to do medical things and 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 that fear response of someone um, you know doing something to her. And and I don't think um, a, a thoron blast from a a, um, a rifle. Is enough to explain why she is suddenly having, you know, this this reaction and and bringing these memories of being violated uh, to the fore. Uh, if if you think it happened, you know, sometime in the in the in the past. So my balance of probabilities is that he did do it and he got what he deserved, and I don't feel all that bad.
1: <laughs>
0: I
2: I would I would push back a little bit there Lindsay um on on the triggers though because because things that trigger us are, are can be smells they can be music they can be you know so so very small things can actually take a person right back into a space where something had happened to them and remind them of that so I mean, this was a critical incident that actually occurred—an um, injury at, at least um, in in that space—and um, and maybe something different. The, the similarities between the traumatic experience with the Borg and the and the potential experience that she may have, um, or the alleged experience that she may have had with COVID, Um, you know, there there are. I think there are enough similarities for it to be a, a reasonable trigger. Um, in, in that instance.
1: Perhaps, except that she's never shown any proclivity to any such triggers at all in the past, no. no matter what's happened to her. This is very unlike her character. So I'm inclined to agree with Lindsay here because I think it's so out of character for Seven to have an emotional response to anything. And it's a very specific emotional response to this particular bloke um, who's acting like an idiot anyway. Um I can't help feeling something was there. This is unlike her. And everything to me pointed that something had happened with COVID. I don't, you know, we don't maybe not know exactly what happened, but something did.
2: I um I, I have to say too, I, I will admit to being a bit confused by the different um um versions of Seven that I've experienced and the most recent version of seven that I've experienced in Star Trek Picard season three. Um, we we are looking at a, a very a very different evolved um, in many ways healed individual um, from from much of what we see today, uh, and and I I won't say much more about Star Trek Picard at this point in time. Perhaps uh, Lindsay and I will have an opportunity to have a greater <laughs> conversation about that. But 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 I um I I found her promotion to captain to be uh, a very moving and emotional experience, and I'm I'm looking forward to the eventuation of the rumours that Star Trek Legacy may actually be coming out soon um, with Seven of Nine being captain of the new Enterprise G. Because that's what people <laughs> say as it goes past. Yeah. They'll all they all look at it and they go, gee, that's a good ship that is. Uh,
1: <laughs> well, yep. Having yep. No- yep. I know nothing about what, what you speak, Will, so um, I can't comment. But um, I just I think that this is out of character for Seven. You
2: know we get a glimpse of seven, what is it, 30 years from this point? Um, which is just an amazing thing to be able to have in a universe yeah. of science fiction to be able to have a story that's continuous enough to be able to see a person, yeah. you know, in, in, in two different actually, it's not, it's 2001, so it's what 20, 20 years, 20, 22 years.
0: So Could we actually dive into a bit of the ethical minefield which this um, episode sort of um, uh, presents to us? Because it seems to me that whether it does it well or poorly, it it clearly is presenting a a very real-life ethical um, conundrum, which we've seen play out in our own uh, Australian context recently with uh, court cases and so forth, um, of, of... how do you balance the the reputational damage which is inevitable if someone is accused of some kind of uh, sexual assault with what we have very, very clearly come to understand of how absolutely vital it is to believe the the story of victims and not to have that sort of hermeneutic of suspicion when they tell us our story. So, uh, I mean, it's a real conundrum, and I found myself feeling that conundrum, uh, even though I, I had some difficulties with the way it's portrayed by this episode.
1: Well, it is a conundrum in some ways, but... You know, so many women have been violently abused and violated and their abusers and violators have just got off in our society because they're young, usually white men. If they're black, it's a different story, Um, usually white men. And we don't want to ruin their lives or ruin their careers or do all sorts of things. So it's something like 3% of rape cases that come to trial are actually someone's found guilty. Just digest that. That's of the ones that come to trial too, which is a very small amount. And the victim is the one that's usually dragged through the mud, not the accuser. Um, and we know this statistically, yet we still persist in not believing victims and, you know, or saying they would, did something to bring it on themselves. Despite our learnings, that is still the rhetoric that we hear floating around
2: yeah and i think that's the important thing to 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 explore here is is actually asking the question of of different roles i mean who's on trial in a situation where there's been a violation uh, and and often in our legal system in order to make a strong persuasive argument that a person is is innocent we may actually need to point the finger at somebody else and put the victim on trial um, and and certainly, I would be wanting to say that's totally inappropriate um, to to do that. Um, but there certainly are ways of 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 investigating um, and remembering our role. So, if I am the the counsellor or support person, then my role is to, to support and to, to to counsel. If I'm the prosecutor, my role is to actually. Prosecute the case, and if I'm in defence, then my role is to actually um, look at the defence of the person who I've been assigned to, not not become a prosecutor of somebody else in order to create that defence. So it's a it's a fascinating that that's for me. It's less about what do we believe and more about how do we stay in our lane, um, and, and what happens when we don't have a lane when we're just a onlooker when we're a part of society. Um, and or, or if we're a commentator, we're in media. Like, I think those are the areas that actually um, are, are the ones that are much harder to work with.
0: Yeah, and, and that that sort of, you know, when you're just part of general society, I mean, we see that played out, you know, the whole Johnny Depp Amber Heard and everyone on the internet, you know, uh, having an opinion and letting it be known widely. And uh, I, I think, you know, the the impact of all of the um, the the stuff around the legalities the investigation the court case and how that impacts the victim that that was what I was feeling when they're all standing in the um, uh, on the bridge and 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 they're all kind of saying oh Poor Colvin, we've got to try and stop him from doing something terrible because he's been wronged and whatever. And Seven is standing there. And 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 like I just was feeling for her the whole time, you know, that that it was like these people were implying that somehow they didn't believe what she was saying. And so they were all sort of worried about Coven, you know. that that was part of the 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 uncomfortableness for me of of this whole episode. And and, and I found myself at the end wondering again, you know, ha, uh, am I thinking wrongly about this because I have been, I don't know, uh, conditioned to want to believe the victim um, and And so you know, am I missing the fact that somehow they they they're, um, have have come to some greater, uh, understanding but I don't think so I I, I I think you know they should have been standing with seven and yeah I was sorry that I didn't feel like they were
2: and a lot of men when they're accused of misconduct do attempt to become the victim I mean that that is that is a a, a, a something that that people do when they actually find that and coven was certainly doing that he was attempting to 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 make himself appear to be the person who was being wronged in this situation um and i mean we do end up with an inconclusive um um situation at the end of this um i did want to say though voyager is a the voyager is a theological podcast and uh, in this post-Easter season, I wanted to talk about a couple of people who I think maybe have been wrongly saddled with um, with, uh, um, and permanently stigmatised within society, uh, and that's Judas and Thomas. <laughs> um, we, we, we kind of have these these individuals who are actually um, one known as a betrayer and one known as a doubter um, through very marginal, well, you know, uh, light incidents that actually... Um, can be explained in other ways if we actually look at the socio-political. And the term Judas has become synonymous with, synonymous with traitor um, in our society. We we'll actually we'll actually um, uh, use it as a derogatory term for somebody. Um, uh, what are our thoughts in relation to to you know these biblical characters who actually uh, um, ha- have actually gained these titles of of, uh, stigmatization permanently.
1: Well, I think that one has to understand there's different stories about Judas. That's really paramount because Matthew's Judas is redeemed. Matthew's Judas does not die unrepentant. Matthew's Judas does, he has a lot of remorse. And um, I think that Matthew recognizes that if Judas is forced to do something because it's the will of God, in the great scheme of things, that is not fair. So um, Judas repents of what he's done before he takes his own life. And the assumption from that in the Gospel of Matthew, I think, is is that Judas, while he may die, having done this, still gains eternal life. He is not destined for hellfires in the same way the other Gospels condemn him. So the story of Judas and Matthew is very different. um, And I like it much better. Because I think that Matthew has found a little way out of actually looking at if Judas is compelled to do this as part of the plan of God, then there has to be something that actually does redeem him. Otherwise, did he have a choice? And that's not fair either. So um, that's what I would say about Judas. In terms of Thomas, nobody questions the other disciples. When the women come back from the tomb and say that they've talked to this angel and Jesus is risen and this is what was said. All the disciples scoff at them and think it's an idle tale, I think is the actual translation. Um, and nobody says to them, Oh, doubting ones, <laughs> but Thomas, because he, yeah, he cops it, it. He cops it. So that's interesting. Why didn't they cop it? What is it about not believing the testimony of women that means that they don't cop it and that Thomas mm. does? And we forget Thomas back in the Gospel of John uh, when Lazarus dies when they're um, ready to go to where uh, Bethany, to where Lazarus is, Thomas says, well, let us go with him then and we will all die together. You know, that's the statement of a brave man. It's not the statement Mm. of some snivelling coward as we've come to kind of associate with Thomas.
2: Yeah, yeah. So I thought it was fascinating just to throw those in. Yeah, Lindsay, go on.
0: I I was just going to say, yeah, I I, I mean, I think um, uh, doubting Thomas the the issue is not thomas the issue is how we understand doubting um yeah. and and you know i think um uh, certainly in in the past 20 or 30 years there's been a resurgence of a recognition that actually doubt is 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 a part of um the makeup of of following and and um being part of a faith tradition. And, you know, I, I love the story of of the um the fellow uh who Jesus asks him, you know, does he believe and, and he says, Lord I believe, help my unbelief. And I think, you know, that yeah. that's the human condition that we're all this mixture of of belief and unbelief and and trying to hang on despite the unbelief and and sometimes finding that perhaps we believe things we shouldn't and that we need to backtrack. Um, So, yeah, absolutely, you know, Thomas is one of my heroes. And Judas, uh, I'm quite uh, interested and persuaded by a lot of the alternative sort of narratives around uh, the Judas character. I mean, I think quite clearly he was put in a particular portrayal uh, for the needs of the, the Christian story, the way it was being told, uh, and whether that has anything at all to do with the the real person and their motivations and actions, I don't know. A um, uh, friend of the uh, podcast, uh, Stephen Garner, who's um, a, a theology um, lecturer in New Zealand, who does a lot of stuff in the um, sort of science fiction area, uh, recommended... Uh, The other day on Facebook, a couple of uh, graphic novels, including one uh, about Judas, which I've just downloaded. And so I'm looking forward to reading that and seeing what kind of take we get in that that story, because I think Judas is a really interesting character who hasn't been well served by the biblical uh, narratives
1: Well, he's been better served by Matthew, as I said, than by the others. I love (laughs) superstars' take on Judas. I've always liked superstars' take on Judas as someone who was really expecting it would be some messianic thing and then got very frightened or even who wanted to trigger the whole idea of, you know, reclaiming Israel. There's all sorts of things, as Lindsay said, that have floated around. So I've always liked superstars' portrayal of Judas and, they followed the Matthean version. Good for them.
2: I was going to mention the Gospel according to Andrew Lloyd Webber. Yes. Um, I, I think that um that, that that there's an interesting shift in that one where the character of Judas is the protagonist. So we're actually we're actually encouraged by the writing to actually have sympathy for 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 Judas, um, and that that actually allows us to 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 stand in in Judas's shoes for a bit, which I think is actually a fascinating thing to do. Um, he asks all of the questions I would ask um, in relation to the, the gospel narrative um, in in that one um, through the voice of Judas.
1: Yeah, he does. And I think that they're, they're still valid questions that he asks. And to pick up what Lindsay said about, you know, this character has been developed in a particular way by the Christian writers over time. By the time we get to the Gospel of John, which we know is written later than the synoptics, You know, Judas, all these insertions by the narrator about, you know, Judas and he was a thief and he stole money and he did this other stuff, you know, that's not present in the synoptics. And whoever wrote John has felt the need to insert them in there to blacken his character even more.
2: Well, it's all in brackets, behind the hand, you know, it's
0: boo hiss, look, the villain appears, ha ha, like, you know, it's... Well, they're
1: asides, aren't they?
0: It's interesting that we come back to the whole thing about, um, you know, hearing stories and how do we evaluate those stories and what truth do we put on them or not. And, you know, uh, it, it brings us right back to the heart of the episode. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's why
2: I thought it'd be interesting to have the theological excursion. Also, just wanted to say, speaking of Jesus, uh, this the director of this episode was um, Jesus Salvator uh, Trevino, um, spelt J E S U S. So, uh, yeah, this is this is a, a word of Jesus. This one, um, so that's really good. Um, that's and um, I, I, I just did a, a little bit of digging on uh, on Jesus. Uh, and discovered that he did five episodes um, in season three, the episode Fair Trade, uh, which we'll remember a little while ago. Uh, and then uh, in season four, he did Day of Honour, Concerning Flight, Retrospect and Vis-a-Vis. So he's um, uh, a fairly well, well-versed director of Voyager episodes. Um, and so I look forward to Vis-a-Vis when it comes up in three episodes
0: time. So did, uh, uh-huh. did any of you in this in this, um uh, somewhat, um, you know, thought-provoking but depressing mm. episode come up with a quote of the week?
1: Mm, that's a good question.
0: While, while, you're, while you're thinking, I'll jump in with mine, which, you know, as is often the case, was a doctor quote. And while I've, I, I am very down on the doctor, and this quote is no different, it, it does at least have his uh, trademark um, humour, where where he's saying to Seven, I understand the burden you carry, constantly being obligated to deal with those who fall short of excellence. <laughs> <laughs> and I just thought yes. that that's the Doctor's ego uh, is is very healthy. So maybe this this episode is good for the Doctor that you know at the end uh, he carries this uh, this guilt and remorse, and and I absolutely approved of Janeway's. Um, response to the doctor wanting to erase uh, his stuff that, you know, no, it's important for him to to live with the memory of what he has done and that will make him a better person.
1: Yeah, I agreed with that. I thought she made the right call there just to erase it back to, you know, what he was in the beginning and lose everything he's learnt and even his bedside manner being erased. Oh, we can't have
2: that. <laughs> <laughs> I... Uh... I also am glad that they didn't erase his personality because um, it would set us way back on um, on the musical um, joys that we will receive <laughs> from the Doctor coming up in the future, as, as he expands his repertoire on on music and we get to hear a lot of the talent of Robert Picardo as a as a as a, a, a well trained and, um, and and wonderful singer. Um, I did look up um, isokinetic um, canon. Uh, mm. ISO meaning um, equal, uh, kinetic meaning motion, and cannon is a ballistic um, thing. So uh, and uh, and as I was looking at it, um, there's no such thing, obviously. But basically, it would be um, ISO would be to stretch a cord in an equal distance and have it come back to the same distance to launch something. So basically, it's a slingshot.
1: Right. I'm glad you cleared
2: that yeah. up, Will. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, the. So uh, I, I have an isokinetic cannon. Um, <laughs> uh, I made one with my son uh, uh, the other week. So I'm, I'm very excited about that. I should be able to defend myself well um, in the Delta Quadrant.
1: Should you ever get there with your <laughs> iso-whatever-it-is cannon? I don't <laughs> like your chances, well, just.
0: <laughs> I, I thought... Um... We, we should give a, a shout out to Michael Horton, who plays uh, Coven, because I was noticing in IMDb uh, that uh, this is not his only Star Trek credit. He actually was also in both uh, First Contact and Insurrection. Um, so, uh, you know, well done, Michael Horton, obviously a Star Trek uh, alumni. I wonder whether he was playing a good guy or a bad guy in those particular movies.
1: I don't remember. I can't comment, but I, I thought he did <laughs> this part well. I didn't like his prosthesis, though, that they gave him as um, whatever species this is. I forget. What is it? Entharin? Um It just looked to me like a bit of plastic that they'd shoved on his nose and it annoyed me the whole episode. I thought they could have done better.
2: It was a bit of plastic they'd shoved and on his nose. it showed it well. It showed it.
1: It was very unconvincing. <laughs>
2: Um, he, uh, he's one of those familiar faces you see, um, in episode land, uh, you know, having appeared in everything from Murder, She Wrote to ER, um, he, he's one of those, um, you know, he's often, um, plays the ro- this kind of, um, you know, white male, um, aggressive victim kind of role. So, um, I, it was nice to see him. And, 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 it did make me think about just how many people there are out there who are just kind of, serial episodes um extra stars you know like that 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 there are people who have made their entire career um out of out of just appearing uh in one episode of something to to do something like this
1: and that's how they pay the bills and put food on the table and often it's not because they're an inferior actor you just don't get the same breaks that and you get typecast as being a certain sort of actor so it can be very hard
0: yeah. yeah, I think it's a different style of acting, isn't yeah. it? I mean, but you can't get resentful because resentment is a human trait, it has no structure and no function, and I want no part of it.
1: <laughs> you sound like Seven,
0: exactly. I, I resent that remark. Yes.
1: <laughs> well, I'm, I'm wondering um, if this is going to keep being picked up. Is Seven going to keep her remorse? Is she staying angry? Is she going to get shitty because the crew at the end didn't believe her? Did she believe herself? Is any of this going to be followed up?
2: Hmm. These questions and many more will never be answered as we go forward <laughs> in the series of Voyager. Um I, I I do have an explanation for uh, Coven's behaviour at the end too, uh, and that is that um, there was only five minutes left and they needed to find a way to resolve it quickly. <laughs> yes, they did. So, it was the
1: old, what do we do now? The episode's about to finish. <laughs> I know. Let's, We've
2: painted ourselves into a yep, corner. Kill him.
1: blow him up. That's right. <laughs> yep.
0: No, 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 but he uh, killed himself, so he was hoist by his own petard. You know, that that's even better. No, no. No, I disagree.
2: That's not correct. Uh, he was killed by uh, by the writers, uh, Rick Berman and Michael Pillar, um, oh, no. in, in the same way as Judas was was killed by God, um, because God <laughs> writes the story there. Um, that we need to put the blame uh, on the author uh, of the situation if we're going to actually do that. You can't blame somebody for being uh, for for being written uh, in a particular no, way. No, you
1: can't. Even um, though it's annoying. Hmm.
0: And, what and that's the, interesting because Rick, Rick Rick Berman's not you know part of the writers' room. He he's one of the the producers. He was the head honcho. So it's yeah. interesting that he's got a writing credit on this one.
2: Yes, yes, yes. Star Trek: The Father stepped in to wipe out Coven. Yep, absolutely.
0: <laughs>
2: um, he, Coven really had it coming. A big
0: gun came in and took him out. Pretty much. Well. I, I'm really looking forward to next week, uh, you know, where, where we get back with the Hirogen. Uh But in particular, you know, I always enjoy holodeck episodes because they so often allow our characters uh, to either play different uh, interesting characters or to interact with uh, different historical uh, characters. And uh, so always enjoy a good holodeck uh, episode and the next and- two weeks are, are a good one.
2: And Jerry Ryan's voice, absolutely magnificent. I'm really, really <laughs> pleased that, that they started to allow a lot of the actors to actually say what other talents do they have and how can we write them into their, their expression. So
1: The whole thing looks ghastly. I've just had it a look ghastly. at, at um, the little teaser that, um, that fandom gives. It just sounds revolting. It sounds like an episode I'll have to watch with my eyes closed.
2: Oh, it's it's not too 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 uh, scary in that perspective, and and they do get to punch Nazis, so that's a good thing. I mean, you know,
1: <laughs> I'm not sure I'm convinced. And this herojin who've got this whole tribal thing about going out and hunting things—they're going to be happy hunting on holidays, really.
2: <laughs> well, it's. It, t- think of it as a uh, takeout, you know, like uh, home delivery, Uber. Uh,
0: <laughs> yeah, sometimes, u- Uber you get the banquet, sometimes you just get the takeout. <laughs> that's
2: right, that's right, that's right. So with with that profound wisdom as our final thought for the week, um, uh, we hope that wherever you are at the moment that um, you're you're doing well uh, and um, we uh, look forward to seeing you again next week uh, on our continuing Episodes of Voyeur. Uh, I've been Will
0: Nicholas. I'm Lindsay Cullen. And I'm Elizabeth Rain.